It was most definitely the worst day of my entire life, learning that diagnosis. I know that's a surprise to some people because you would think the fact that Michael passed away and that that might be the worst day, but I think a lot of us agree that it's when everything changes. All of your sort of vision of what your future for your family is going to be like, it's just, there's no way to explain how devastating that moment is. Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast. This is Jamie Truman, your host. Today, I interviewed Jenny Moser. Jenny lost her son, Michael, at the age of six years old to DIPG and is now the co-founder of Chad Tuff Defeat DIPG. DIPG is a form of pediatric brain cancer that is considered terminal upon diagnosis since the overall survival rate is less than 1%. Jenny's mission is to defeat DIPG. However, she cannot do this without your help. In this interview, you will learn about Jenny's son, Michael, and their family's journey with DIPG, facts about this form of brain cancer, their dream big gala, and ways you can help Jenny, along with so many other families, defeat DIPG. September of 2014, my son, Michael, started kindergarten had just turned six years old when we learned that he was diagnosed with a brain tumor called DIPG. It was a complete shock to us. He had been showing some kind of different symptoms, some noticeable things with his eyes that led us ultimately to the doctor, which led us to Children's National where we learned that he had a brain tumor. But Michael had been a healthy, active little boy So it was a shock, obviously, to learn that he had a form of childhood cancer. What was it like during the early days of Michael's diagnosis? Learning your child has cancer in general, I think, would be a nightmare for most parents. But for us, it had the additional layer that when we learned that Michael had DIPG, they also told us that there were no effective treatments and that he wouldn't be getting brain surgery because they couldn't remove the tumor since it was located in his brain stem, and that he would likely die in less than a year. So we sat there with our just-turned-six-year-old son, who we had all the normal hopes and dreams and expectations about watching him grow up into a young man, and it's like a switch flips. It was most definitely the worst day of my entire life learning that diagnosis. And I I know that's a surprise to some people because you would think the fact that Michael passed away and that that might be the worst day. But I think a lot of us agree that it's when everything changes, all of your vision of what your future for your family is going to be like, it's just, there's no way to explain how devastating that moment is. Can we talk about what exactly is DIPG? We had never heard of DIPG before Michael was diagnosed. And I had a cousin who unfortunately passed away from brain cancer, a glioblastoma, when he was 38 years old. So we weren't totally foreign to the brain cancer community. We had participated in some events in memory of my cousin Adam. 
And I obviously knew that some children got brain tumors, but DIPG was a term I had never heard. And I definitely did not know that there was a form of childhood cancer that had a near 0% survival. So DIPG is, it's located in the brainstem. It stands for diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. And it is a tumor that because of its location interferes with your gross motor functions. And I don't know that I fully realized, I'm sure maybe I learned it at some point in school, but your brainstem is what controls your heartbeat, your breathing. And because of the location, it is not out an area where you can surgically go in and remove the tumor without risking a fatality to the patient. And so DIPG is treated with radiation to hopefully reduce the tumor. And there are new therapies that are being tried. But unfortunately, to date, generally 90% of children die within two years of diagnosis. The median survival is between nine to 11 months. And it most commonly impacts school-aged children between the ages of like four and 11 years old. The median age uh, for diagnosis is six years old. So there are hundreds of kids in the U.S. alone who are impacted every year. And because it is so deadly, DIPG, even though fewer children are impacted by it than some other forms of cancer, it accounts for a very significant number of the childhood cancer uh, deaths in any given year. I read that Michael had a to-do list each day, and the last item on his list was to defeat DIPG. Is that the reason you decided to create Michael Moser Defeat DIPG? Michael was a really determined little boy. He was always that way, but we, of course, never saw it more than when he was going through the very difficult treatments that he endured to at least try to do something to see if maybe he would be the miracle who would survive. I think that it was very hard for a little boy who relished physical activity. He loved sports. He, you know, played every sport he could. He especially loved baseball. And because of the impact of the tumor, Michael was unable to even walk on his own roughly six weeks after he was diagnosed. So his joy in playing like your typical child was really taken from him. And I think for a kid like Michael, he was probably trying to gain some form of control over his days when so much had been taken from him. It was sort of mind-boggling that he really did not complain that often about everything that he was suffering, even though his body was being paralyzed bit by bit over a period of months where each function would keep going away. And so I think he... He enjoyed how much he uh, commanded the attention with a to-do list. He would write various things on the list, ranging from get a milkshake to build a Lego set. He would sometimes put things on the list just because he knew that by getting it on the list, like he was assured that that would happen. So maybe it's, you know, buy a present at a store. I mean, there was 
pretty much nothing that we would deny him, to be honest, at that point. But then we would try to get things on the list, like take a shower or, you know, do your exercises and try to slip a few things in too. So it was a little bit of a negotiation. It would be funny. Sometimes it would be really specific, like eat steak or something. (laughs) It often involved various foods and things like that. But like I said, I mean, we just wanted to do anything that we could that would bring him a smile or bring him joy. So he definitely, he kind of put us to the test when he was sick. He developed different hobbies. He began shopping on eBay for Disney trading pins and would set a goal of finding sort of like the most obscure characters that like didn't have pins, but he would just be determined to try to find a pin for them or he wanted stuffed animals and would do the same thing where he would find sort of the character in the movie that had one scene. So there were no commercially available (laughs) stuffed animals for these characters. He tried to see if we could find one. We actually found a local woman who made custom stuffed animals who would make some of these characters for us, which was hilarious. But he did when he was sick. As a family, we signed up to participate in a brain cancer run, and we began fundraising for childhood brain cancer research through that. And Michael very much was leading the effort. He picked our team name. He would help us in fundraising and posting things on social media. And he understood and supported and was enthusiastic about doing things to help other kids that were sick like him. I'm not sure he understood at the early, those points sort of what the prognosis was for him, but he understood he was sick and he very much, I think, wanted to make sure that other kids like him got medicine and had options to feel better. So, I saw a video the other day of your daughter, Lila, and she was at CureFast talking about Michael on stage. How did that feel as a parent to watch her on stage in front of all of those people talking about Michael? We're really proud of Lila. She has gone through a lot from a young age. She lost Michael when she was just three years old. And she is very effective at communicating clearly what that experience has been like as a sibling. And she too, I think, feels passionately about trying to do things to save other kids. And, you know, she's just 10 years old. I think sometimes we forget because she is very mature for her age. But we're obviously just really proud of her for sharing her brother's story and appreciate her willingness to open her heart in such a public way to hopefully educate kids in a way that's accessible to them, as well as spread the word with the broader public about DIPG. And, you know, it's just important to us as a family for Michael's name to be spoken and for people to remember him. So there's nothing, there's nothing that makes me more sad than Lila not having her brother. It is the most difficult thing that you know, as a mom that I experienced, but I also am so proud of how she carries him with her and really honors him in what she does. I want to talk a little bit about the merging of the two foundations. You decided to merge with Chad Tuff Foundation. 
to become Chad Tuft DIPG. So can you tell me why you guys decided to merge and what you are looking to do in the future? Sure. So we actually started considering the merger when the pandemic hit. So the merger was completed in early 2021. I think when things kind of shut down due to COVID, there was a lot of reflection and assessment of how we were working to achieve our goals. And, you know, it just gave a forced pause, to be honest, for us to think about what is the best way to make an impact on this disease. We had been friends with the Carr family and working together since we both started our foundations. Both Chad and Michael were diagnosed in September of 2014. They were fighting DIPG at the same time. They both passed away in 2015. And we had been jointly funding together millions of dollars of research from our two separate foundations. And for me personally, the opportunity to join together and take our complementary sort of strengths and unify to become sort of bigger and better and able to make an impact probably in a more expedited way by cutting out a little bit of the redundancy of having two different nonprofits that were doing the exact same thing. It just made sense. And I'm not sure that if we didn't have to kind of pause all of our events and just take a little breather by, you know, outside forces, if we would have maybe seen this opportunity in the same way. But it is really a case of one plus one equals three as opposed to one plus one equals two, because by joining together, we have just been able to develop new programs, things that I don't think that we just couldn't have tackled on our own. An example, you know, we launched this new program called My DIPG Navigator. Ah, I was going to ask you about that. Oh, good, good. We feel so passionately about this. I mean, our primary mission is funding research to find a cure. That is what we are trying to do. We want to move the needle. We do not think that it is acceptable that there is a disease out there that steals hundreds of kids' lives every year, and they have basically no fighting chance. And we are seeing awesome breakthroughs come from the research that we are funding. But at the same time, I think our hearts are pulled towards what can we do right now to really make an impact for families as we are also working for that cure. And one thing that's hard in the rare disease space is if you're diagnosed at a hospital maybe that isn't a center of excellence or doesn't see a ton of patients with this disease, they might not know how to direct you. And we know that there are many families that get, let's say, incomplete advice or aren't given the full range of options of what they might be able to do for their child. And we just wanted to make sure that every single family that faces this horrible diagnosis, that there was something that we could do to ease the burden and at least offer a helping hand to you know, look at what the available clinical trials are, help them just know what their options are, which Each family is going to decide a different path because every child is different and every family is different. But if you're diagnosed in the middle of a rural area and do not have access to a major metropolitan children's hospital, you really were at a disadvantage. And essentially, maybe if you found like a Facebook group or something, you could ask other parents. Our program is staffed by oncology nurses who specialize in pediatric oncology and are specifically experts in DIPG. 
their entire job is to help families to answer questions about DIPG so that they know that they're not alone. And it's the type of thing I literally remember sitting inside my closet because I didn't want Michael to hear me or, you know, and I needed a a spot by myself looking on the computer and trying to call anyone I knew who maybe knew about brain tumors and trying to figure out what our next steps were. And we were fortunate enough to have an amazing team at Children's National that actually were experts in DIPG, but still it would have been nice to have the type of resource that you could call for any question that came up along the continuum of the journey with this disease. And that's what these nurses are there to do. That's an amazing program that you guys have put together. And I want to talk a little bit about your upcoming event, the Dream Big Gala coming up November 12th. Thank you for the chance to talk about this. The Dream Big Gala is a really special event for our family and in our community. On November 12th, we are holding this event. It will be our fourth gala. It brings together hundreds of people from our community to raise funds for research for a cure. We are really excited to have a very special guest speaker coming all the way from Australia who has an incredibly unique perspective to offer. His name is Dr. Dunn, and he is a researcher who had been researching leukemia. And unfortunately, his daughter was then diagnosed with DIPG. And he ended up shifting his research focus to focus on DIPG after his daughter Josie's diagnosis. And so he has just a really special story to share about his own family's journey and the work that he's doing. And, you know, the event is just very meaningful. We do, our focus is honoring as many children as we can and ensuring that they aren't forgotten and that we're doing everything in our power to join together and try to make a difference. I think it's a very moving night, uh, but one that everyone walks away from just feeling like, wow, this is something. There are some causes where there are so many resources going to the cause that it's hard to maybe understand how your contribution makes an impact. And the thing about DIPG is the progress that's being made is being made because of foundations like ours. We are the ones that are banding together with our incredible supporters to insist that we make a difference and insist that we find a way to you know, establish treatments for these kids. And so every dollar really goes a long way because it is going straight into the hands of researchers and unfortunately not that much of the government budget and overall charitable funds go to this type of cancer as opposed to, you know, many other types of diseases, which are great causes as well, but it means that every dollar matters. And so I just think it's a night that everyone feels good about at the end because we really all feel like we're making a huge difference for kids who need it so desperately. For the Dream Big Gala, how do you contribute? There are lots of ways to get involved. Of course, we would love for people to attend the event and at www.dreambiggala.com. You can get all the information. You can buy tickets. You can sponsor the event. We also have an opportunity where you can buy a ticket that is used then to invite DIPG family members. So you can sponsor a DIPG family member so that they can attend the event for free. Our goal is always to be able to provide complimentary tickets to any DIPG or other childhood brain cancer family who wants to attend. 
And luckily, we typically have people that that like to support in that way. And so we're able to do that. You can also donate auction items. There are plenty of ways to get involved. And we're very appreciative for people who volunteer their time, donate in the ways that they can to support the cause. So lots of different ways. It sounds like an amazing event. So I, I think a lot of people are going to be very excited to hear about this. But Jenny, before we wrap up here, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think people should know? I just want to reiterate, first of all, that I'm very grateful to you for using our platform to shine a light on DIPG and the work that we're doing. So thank you. When I think about if I could scream from the rooftops something to everyone, you know, we never imagined that this would be like our family's journey. And I guess I think about how I wish that we would have been fighting this disease before it had directly impacted us. You just never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And unfortunately, I hear again and again from friends who suddenly a child they know in their community has been diagnosed or a friend's cousin's niece has been diagnosed. I mean, I think maybe, you know, I think that's how you had learned about DIPG was through a friend. And it is a rare disease, but it just sort of starts hitting home more and more as people make these connections. And so the only thing I would say is that you're sort of, you're not a childhood cancer parent one day and then you can be the next. And obviously we didn't imagine this would happen to our family, but we are so deeply grateful for those people who are getting involved, even though they haven't been personally impacted and you really can make a huge difference in a disease like this that is so underfunded. So thank you so much for those people, whether it's spreading the word just to raise awareness of the disease or getting involved in an event. We are just really, really appreciative. Jenny, I am so grateful for you coming on to talk about your family's journey and the incredible work your organization is doing for so many other families. And for everyone listening, Jenny cannot defeat DIPG without your help. I've listed in the show notes how you can connect with Jenny and Chad Tuff defeat DIPG. I'm excited to hear how you have decided to help Jenny in her mission to defeat DIPG. Until next time. If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate and review our podcast. That is how more people learn about the Truman Charities podcast and our organization. And to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you'd like to follow Truman Charities, you can follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities, Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities, and check out our website, trumancharities.com.